Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen. God, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, your word is full. God, I was thinking the other day of how, Lord, there is truth for every situation in life. Just when we think, God, there's something that is, Lord, that is uh, culturally not relevant in the scripture, Lord, you, your, your word is everlasting. And the truth therein, Lord, the wisdom, the power, the truth. So, Lord, open our hearts, God, to hear the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, frustration. You get frustrated sometimes? And I, you know, I was thinking about this time of the year. It's kind of sad when you read in the headlines on the Black Friday and, and you hear about it. Now, if, if that was one of you, I want to talk to you after the service is over. But man, I was reading about people attacking one another, fighting over things, um, people taking stuff right out of their basket. And I just thought, man, you just want to say, Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoy that. You know, how could you? But so this time of the year, we can get a little out of control, kind of lose the reason for the season, as they say. And, but the truth is we get frustrated. And some of that frustration comes out. So what do you do when things just don't, don't go, go your way? You know, Life would be a whole lot nicer, wouldn't it, if everyone would just do what we want them to do. But we often find that our will is crossed, our plans are altered, or they're interrupted. And uh, matter of fact, some of those plans are really altered. And they're not just about getting a parking space and things like that, but about major things in life. And we ask that question, God, where are you in all of this? Doesn't he love us enough to go before us and make the rough places smooth? Again, somebody jumps in front of us in line. Someone promises something that they don't make good on. And that's where it gets a little more personal, doesn't it? Maybe the sales price is wrong and you want to go up and you just really want to jerk a knot in somebody's chain. Excited about a job possibility that doesn't really pan out, or maybe a promotion that was uh, promised to you, again, you're ignored. You know, I remember when I was a young man, still a young man, but younger, I was uh, working at a job, and I remember I uh, had an opportunity to be promoted, and I thought for sure that I was the perfect person for that job. Signed up for it, filled out my application, I was waiting and then the person who I thought was least qualified ended up getting that job. Now, I was a believer. I was training for the ministry. And, uh, of course, all my training was being tested right on that very moment. And I remember thinking, God, what are you up to? And I remember thinking to myself, God, I, I really need to hear your answer. And sometimes in those moments, God doesn't say anything because he's going, hello, David. I'm not speaking because you need to listen on the inside. There's some things that you already know it's time for you to cash in on. It's time for you to apply some of the truths you already know. So I want to talk about frustration today. How do we get through it? How do we have more success in our plans for life? Because frustration is a real issue for most of us. I know that. I experience it. You experience it. How do we chart a course for our life that is going to have a lot less of that frustration? Well, I want to share some things with you today that I think can be helpful right out of the Word of God. First of all, you've got to believe that God likes you, you know? And that may seem like 
you know, a funny thing. But you know what? I think deep down inside, we struggle with that issue at times, that we wonder, does God really like me? It's just like our video up there. It's just like, you know, we get sarcastic and we say, well, yeah, sure, all the good things always happen to everyone, but you know, not me. Things never work out for me. We get that bad luck, schleprock kind of attitude, that Eeyore kind of attitude. But deep down, it really connects to a truth that, that we ignore or that we get around or that we just have a difficult time believing. See, human behavior is a very, very funny thing. We often act out according to how we feel people perceive us. So if we think some, someone doesn't like us, we either ignore them or we don't take them seriously. Could that explain why we don't ask for God's help more? I want to explain that a little bit more. Maybe you just take a moment to think about this and how we interact with people. A lot of times we may think a person's just trying to reject this, but no, it's because they, they immediately think that you don't like them. And it's an interesting dynamic that takes place among people, which is why being filled with the Holy Spirit can help just cut through all of that. When you get filled with the joy of the Lord, you're not thinking. You're not thinking about what people think at all. You just know God loves me, God is for me, and who cares about everything else? And you just let your light shine. And it just seems to cut through people's perceptions. So, you know, it it obviously needs to be a place of healing. You know, the Bible tells us that God loves us with an everlasting love. That means that love just never wanes. God is just madly in love with us all the time. He doesn't go through that ebb and flow that maybe we do in marriages or friendships or seasonal uh, acquaintances and those kind of things where, you know, you got your, your bromance going on or you got your, 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 your friendship that, you know, you're hanging out all together and that kind of way. God never wanes in his real, real love for you. Isn't that awesome? Never, never, never. He not only loves us, but he genuinely likes us. And see, we, we make a we try not to do that. I mean, we've said that before. Look, I got to love you, but I sure don't like you. Have you ever done that before? What, you've never done that before? Never said that? Gee whiz. I need some help, Jamie. Because I've said that a few times. Got to love the church, but sometimes I do. Anyway, we won't go there. But sometimes we don't think that God genuinely likes us. It's kind of like God puts up with us. We're like the kid who never can quite measure up in God's eyes. I'm part of the family, but... You know, God just looks at me. He's always shaking his head. Got to love you. Got to take care of you because you're mine. And so that's something that on the inside could really affect how we, what? Approach God. How we approach God is often just kind of this begging. Or we don't even approach him at all because we, we think that, you know, God's not really interested in blessing us or we've done so many bad things that, look, in that sense, you know, my pastor used to say this and he used to talk about him being his, the, uh, his favorite kid. Remember that, Jamie? Had a whole series about being God's favorite kid. And it's, and it's very, very powerful. There is one theological truth that I'd like to add to that. We're all God's favorite kids, there's no doubt. So there's no, none of us you know, treat, uh, get better treatment than the other. But the truth is, we all get the best treatment. And if we're not getting the best treatment, it's, it's because we are not going for it. It's because we don't believe it. Now, if we're mistreating people, if we're saying things that are unkind, if we're allowing ourselves to get caught up in these times and, 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 be, and let hate and judgment and jealousy grip our hearts, then all that does is that pushes away 
that revelation of the love of God. But when we embrace it like a warm blanket, and we know that we know that we know that God loves us with that everlasting love, then man, we start treating people differently. Why? Because we begin to see them like we know we see ourselves. And that is a very, very powerful revelation right there. Matter of fact, I have to say that that's Christianity 401. Is that we go through this life and we, we learn our purpose and we do our purpose and we just think that we're all this in the bag of chips, you know? And we, we, we try to do these things and then, then we fail and we fall and then we struggle. But see, what God is after from the very beginning is for us to just realize this one truth that we're all desperately broken. You know, Steve, um, Steve's last name, the singer. Yeah, you know, there you go. Stephen Curtis Chapman, that song, that we're all broken. And that's exactly the way we are, broken people. And the sooner we get that, then what we, we, we can't judge others. We can't look at people and try to, to establish any kind of a sense of, I've got moral superiority, therefore your actions are much worse than mine. Mm, mm, mm. You know, what's going on in our culture right now, what's going on all around us, Really, when, when you start to see hatred and those things start to rise, it's because we are completely out of touch with our own brokenness and need. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's true. What helps you look at this world with a greater perspective, with a, with a mature Christian perspective, is when you, you, you get this attitude, but for the grace of God, so go I. When you read about something happening in the paper, that some Christian, some leader, you know, does something very bad. I just heard about in the, actually I got a letter. I, I read this letter. It just, I mean, it brought me to, to tears from a man who was a teacher, a Christian teacher. I knew this man. He doesn't live in this area. He lives in Florida. He's in prison for five years. And of doing something that was just terrible. But it was something he hid for many years. But one of the things that God dealt with him right from the bat was his pride and his arrogance. And that's the one thing I kind of always knew about him or sensed about him is that there was this constant put, trying to put on everyone, you know? And it set him up, you know? And we can't. So when we go around and we're just trying to be the, the, the you know, the, the moral police, or we're trying to go around and point out everybody's problems and whatnot, look, that, <laughs> that's usually a glaring reality of something going on in your own life. So frustration is just coming up out of the soil of dissatisfaction in ourselves. Okay? So most of us think, again, that God just tolerates us. So I just want to tell you, go ahead, jump up into his lap, and receive the daddy love that is yours. I have seen people completely transformed when they get this revelation. Friends of mine. They had no father. And if they did, even if they had a father, maybe because he was in the military, and, I, and I've done this for many, many years, and have seen what the lack of a father can do to nurture into the human soul. I, I mean, I know that. But you know what? Look, you got a heavenly daddy that's ready in an instant to fill in all those areas of need, all those gaps, all that lack of where you didn't get that, 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 that fatherly, that daddy love the Holy, God by the Holy Spirit can come, man, and he can fill in those areas. 
He can give you hugs that will last a whole lot longer than any human father can ever give you. He can speak words into your mind that can literally heal your mind. I mean, I've seen people that have been diagnosed, whether it be autistic or learning disabled or just violent behavior, gang-related. I mean, I've seen gang members, young men who still contact me to this day, and, and, you know, and I still speak into their lives in, in, you know, in a fatherly way. Not to say that we, we can't still get a human in this life who, who can speak those kind of truths into us, but I tell you what, what every one of them have received is, is get into that room with their heavenly father Man, just heals him. One of, the, one, of, one of my best friends, my very best friends, didn't have a father for most of his life. But I remember the day he got that revelation. He called me and said, David, I've got a father. He's my heavenly daddy. And I was like, it's awesome, awesome, awesome. Transformed him. So we got to get that revelation. we got to believe that not only does God love us, he likes us. He likes hanging out with us. And, you know, it's kind of like, try it. You'll like it. Get in. Jump in. Perhaps that's what you need to do more of and recognize. Again, as I said last week, sin is not your problem. Jesus took care of that. A lot of times it's just our receiving of that love and that forgiveness. And really it comes down to often just taking the time to receive it. Number two, we've got to commit our plans to the Lord. We've got to commit our plans to the Lord. We're getting a lot of frustration because we get a lot of plans. Man, do we ever get a lot of plans. And man, we just think that, you know, we get excited and we move way, way ahead of what God has planned. But Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Too much turkey this, this last week. I'm having to drink a little more here. Okay. It says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now look, what the, the, look at how this thing is working here. He says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. So I mean, that from the very get-go, you just say, Lord, I want to entrust, which is a great word to kind of help us. I want to entrust these plans to you. And you know what that means? You got to hand them over. That's, that's what you got to do. When you entrust in someone, I mean, you take something of value and, and you just say, okay, Jamie, um, man, I'm giving you, maybe I got a coin set or something. Jamie, I got, I want, here, I want you to take my coin set. I want you to take this. Or whatever, you know, something of value that I have, and I give it to Jamie. I've got to entrust that to Jamie. That means I've got to trust him. Because I've taken something of value and given it to him. And that's what he's saying here about our plans. God knows they're valuable to us. But the truth is, God often is the one who stirred these things up. We kind of mess it up because we get ahead of God. We try to make it happen in our own way, in our own timing, which really pretty much describes most of what happens in our culture. All the things that we try to do. Man, all we're doing is building towers of Babel everywhere. Everywhere. Because we just won't let it be about the glory of God. So we've got to hand it over. And we've got to get connected. Since God really does love us, he likes us, God wants to be included. Wouldn't that make sense about a friendship? I mean, doesn't that, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this much because it might just stir up some things in here. But, you know, when you hear about a friend doing something, you're like, hey, I didn't know about that. You know, why didn't you call me? Or you hear about, you got a, a group of friends and everybody gets invited to something, but you didn't get invited. And you're afraid to even ask because, you know, they might be honest and just say, well, we've stopped liking you. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of a jerk, so you're out. 
So no, and so you know what we end up doing? We don't say anything. And we just kind of let it go on, and we kind of hurt, and we bleed internally. When in reality, they just forgot. Well, I guess that's, that's pretty painful too. Yeah, we forgot about you, man. Sorry. <laughs> but a lot of times it's like, well, look, we didn't think you were interested, or we, we didn't think that you were available, or we had heard you weren't going to be, you know what I mean? We could find out there was home, so many other things, but how quickly we gravitate to rejection. And if you do that, I just want to, I, that needs to be a red flag in your soul, okay? It needs to be a red flag. That if, if that's the first place you go in your mind, you need some healing. You need some daddy time, okay? You need to cut out of life just for a, few, for a few minutes. You need to go for a walk. You need to get in your car if you're going someplace. And you need to just say, Lord, look, I, I've got some areas broken inside me. And I, and I relate this way all the time. And I just need you to come in and heal this right now. And you know what? The Bible tells us that he's, he's, he can do that. In worship, we're asking God to do that. I hope you come with that kind of anticipation, by the way. Because the presence of God is where it's at, man. I mean, we can do, we can sit through these sermons and we can do this, we can do all that. But I tell you what, what I love the most is when God does stuff in me instantaneously. <laughs> Just because I make myself available to him. Because, you know, isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus didn't say, now look, I'm going to heal you, but I want you to run back and forth to Jerusalem 12 times, okay? And when you get all that done, you know what I'm saying. He didn't do that. His healing just flowed because he loves us. He's for us. But we've got to commit our plans to the Lord. Let me get to that. When we get a plan, we've got to entrust it to God. We've got to take it and say, Lord, nothing in my life is more important than you. Nothing in my life is more important than your plans as opposed to mine. So entrusting them to God is to say, I got a great idea, instead of saying, um, God's gonna really mess this up, so I'm gonna go ahead and do this, do my own thing. No, no, you just say, God, I got a great idea. Here, what do you think? And what often we find God say is that that's a great idea. It came from me, but anyway, it's a great idea. So, okay. So be patient. Let's let this thing unfold. Don't take matters into your own hands. Take it one step at a time. Because that's what it says in that verse. And he will establish your plans. In other words, he's going to make them happen. They go from being just dreams, which is fantasy. I mean, a dream without reality is what? It's fantasy. But to become a reality, it is something that we have to rest fully in God's hand. And it, God, God says, I'm the one who takes it from the, from the vision from the fantasy to reality. Number three, seek counsel. Seek counsel if you're not sure. So you've got an idea. You've got something going on in your life. See, well, let me back up here. See, we get frustrated when we're not connected with God because we find ourselves wandering out. We get frustrated when we don't give our plans to the Lord. See, that's, that's going to be the fruit. And so can I inject that right now so you're following with me? Is that if you are walking in frustration right now, it's likely these areas you need to attend to, okay? If you're frustrated and, you're, and, and you've yet to cry out to God or you've just said, God, you don't like me, first you've got so destroy it with, yes, God, I know that you love me for me. And then just say, God, I, I'm frustrated about these plans, so I'm just going to give them to you and trust them to you. And here's something that's so important. I, I find that a lot of us believers is, you know, and, and I think it comes down to a little bit of pride. 
is we get something, we get a great idea, we got something going on in our life, and we want to kind of keep it to ourselves. But that's not biblical. Because see, in Proverbs 20, verse 18, it says, plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Of course, war being the most extreme of plans, right? But that means that everything else should be uh, taken that way too. So if you've got something going on in your life, you, you know, counsel is an important aspect of our walk with God. We need one another and I find a lot of times that, you know, people get the V8 moment. Oh, man, should have had a V8. What they mean is, I should have talked to somebody about this. I made a big financial decision, and I rushed into it without asking somebody. You know? And, you know, the elders are here for that. The elders are here in the church. And you should take, you, man, I tell you what, that, what a wealth of information and wisdom and grace from heaven is available to you. Okay? A simple phone call. After a service, find, you know, know who your elder is, go to them and ask them and say, look, I'm thinking about this, or I'm thinking about that, or I'm working through this. Get counsel. Get some advice, and you can fight in this world. You can wage war in this world with what, it is, you know, what God has already provided. Okay? Now, it's not to say that that, that, you know, that, that counsel will always be 100% certified good. There might be times when you, you, you sense, well, hmm, that's good but I, I don't think it applies to me right now. And that's okay. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Just because maybe you got some bad advice in the past doesn't mean you're always going to get it. Wisdom knows its children. Wisdom knows when, it, it's, when, it, when it's wise. When, so you say, look, I mean, even the wisest of people are going to still seek counsel. And I do all the time. I mean, I'll ask the people in my life. I will ask experts, people who are in the field. Jamie's really good at that. When you do your... Your projects. You go to Lowe's and you, you go find the guy who's the best at doing it, don't you? He doesn't just lean in. He goes, grabs some guys, say, hey, look, you know, you do this all the time. I'm thinking about doing this. Or I'm thinking about doing that. Oh, I would never do that. And you're like, whoa, I was just getting ready to do that. And so it works that way in life too. How about a relationship? Seeking out a relationship, whether it be your first time around or maybe your second time around. A lot of times things fail or our plans are not established because we didn't do what? We didn't seek advice. We didn't get spiritual counsel. We didn't get somebody to, to, to take us through some things so that we can get it. So what can thwart the plans of God in your life? It's not seeking out a full course of wisdom. The Bible talks about that when you've got something big in your life, it says fully seek out the matter. In other words, you know, don't rush into something. Now, sometimes we can be so uh, analytical that we never do it. But sometimes we just are impetuous, you know, impatient, and we do things quicker, uh, more quickly than we ought to. And we need to take that time. So what does that do? Why am I talking about that? Because it produces frustration when it doesn't work. And there we are holding the bag of frustration, wondering how we got there. And I'm telling you, get you some wisdom. Get you some counsel. Talk to somebody. You know, counseling, you know, sometimes has with it a stigma. Oh, got, you're, oh you're going to counsel? Oh, good. Okay, see you. You know? No, man, we all should be getting some counseling. We should all be getting 
some of that information of asking people's advice, tapping into the wonderful gift of the body of Christ. Now, when, when, can I just put this in before I finish? And that is, look, when you ask somebody, don't tell them what the answer is before they've had a chance to say, hey, look, could you tell me about it? So this is what I find, you know what I mean? It's like, listen. When you go into the house of God, go to do what? Listen, right? Listen, 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 listen. Listen to what people, wash their feet if you have to. Even if they're telling you everything, you've, everything you already know, just let them wash your feet. Let them minister to you with that. I mean, because in many ways, you're really encouraging them too, aren't you? Pride often keeps us from seeking out those answers. Sometimes you cannot find the answers on the internet or in a book. Sometimes you need someone who can feel your situation and help you find the path. Isn't it amazing how a lot of us have stories to tell? And maybe find somebody who's walked down your road and they'll tell you, look, I wouldn't do that. I've been down that road, and man, there are holes and there are problems and struggles and thorns and bad things down that way. I wouldn't go that way. See, I'm convinced that God leaves some of his best wisdom to be shared at the table of humble fellowship. You know, C.S. Lewis had a description of heaven and hell, which I think is just really awesome. So he had this picture of people in heaven and hell, and in hell, they were all sitting, all these people were sitting at a table and their hands were forks and knives and it was super long, so about three or four feet. And they were sitting at the table, the table with this huge a banquet of, of wonderful food, this kind of stuff we enjoyed this past week, just, but just, into, you know, ultimately tons more food there. And there they were and hell for them was that they were trying to get that food with those five inch long you know, arms for, with forks and knives. They couldn't get any. And so everybody got more and more angry and they were just frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. That was hell. But in heaven, they were the exact same setup. The table was full. Their arms and, you know, were forks and knives. But everything was peaceful. And what was the difference? It's because they learned how to feed one another. They could take the knife and cut their food and their fork and and everybody was just at rest and at peace because they could all enjoy the meal because they needed one another. Isn't that cool? And that really is a a picture of life in general. The faster we learn we need people, the less frustrated we really are going to be. And finally, we got to submit to and wait on God. In Job chapter 5, verse 12, he says, He thwarts the plans of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. You know, craftiness is just our attempt to try to outsmart God. (laughs) And that's pretty funny, isn't it? You ever tried to outsmart God? Well, maybe you don't think you really are, but we, you know, look, we we all have some Adam and Eve in us. We just do. And Adam and Eve thought that they could eat of that tree and kind of, did God really say that I couldn't do it like this? It really, again, speaks of what is taking place in our culture today. When God says, look, this is the way I think your body should work, and this is how you should treat your body, and this is how you should engage in intimacy, and this is how you should not. And so we just try to do these end-arounds and try to outthink God. 
And maybe we're doing this in other areas of our lives. But God says he thwarts the plans of the crafty. In other words, he's going to get in your way. It's like the little kid who's trying to sneak into the kitchen, get something, and go out another door, and they're looking behind them, and they look up, and there they see you. And that's the way we are in life sometimes. We're just going through life and think, man, yeah, I'm going to get away with this. And then there God is standing there. Hey, how you doing? What you doing? Why are you trying to do this? You can't end around God's plans for you. You know people do that. And a lot of times they can literally spend their whole life trying to be crafty, trying to do things in their own way, when in the end, if we'll just submit to God and wait on God and let his plans. See, a lot of times, I mean, I, when I hear people say God doesn't want Christians to ever be great, he does, I mean, he wants them to be humble and broken and be quiet and unknown. I mean, that, that, I, hmm, that's not true. Well, they may not make it in the news. They may not, may not make it in any Hall of Fame or, or Hollywood Walk or anything like that. May never do that. But I believe that greatness in the kingdom of God will certainly have hundreds, thousands, if not millions in the case of Billy Graham, who are grateful for their life and their example and their choices and their mission. I believe that. And inside every human being is that desire to want to be known, to have that, those words on their stone that said they made a difference, that they were loved. I think that each one of us wants that. But when we try to go about that in our own way, it, it just does not produce life. It can create more frustration than victory, more frustration than joy, more frustration than any kind of accomplishment. See, if we don't, Try to submit it to God and let God bring about his, his timing. Meredith wrote a song. It's called Wait and See. And you've got to wait and see to hear it because it's, it's got to take time to be uh, you know, brought out there in his time. But anyway, but that's what her whole message in the song is. It's just wait. Waiting on God. Waiting on God's plans for your life. It's the best course of action. Because a lot of times when we wait, you know, it's like grabbing the one thing and jumping on it too soon, only to see somebody walk by with something greater, talking about shopping and all. Hey, man, where'd you get that? And find out they paid a whole lot less because they were patient. When we submit to God, he is likely to change your thinking, which will change your plan. I really, really believe this, that when we get a right understanding of who God is, we get our theology right, then our lives change dramatically. I think way too many people, their, their image of who God is is way too small. Their understanding about the, the divine providence, the, the eternal plans of God, God's wisdom, all of that, it's just way too small. And so we bail on him. Ah, it's like a grandfather that's forgetful, who's out of touch with our times, when <laughs> reality is something completely opposite that God knows everything about us and he knows all things. And we'll just wait on him. Because see, when things don't work out for you, perhaps there's a reason for that. How many times have maybe we're stuck in traffic because there was an accident just 30 minutes up the road that God said, I don't want you to be in. Or maybe God, you know, 
is doing things. And, and I mean, that's, that's a perspective that we don't always think about, do we? We're always thinking about God not giving us something because we want it right now. But a lot of times, I believe that God doesn't give us things for a lot of great reasons too. And that's something to keep in mind. All right, I want to finish with this. You know who Harry Houdini was, the famed escaped artist? You know, he issued a challenge wherever he went, and that was that he could be locked in any jail cell in the country, he claimed, and set himself free quickly and easily. He always kept his promises when everybody, anybody challenged him. But one time, something went very, very wrong. And the story goes like this. They put him inside the jail. They locked him in there. And uh, he got inside, and he pulled out a little hidden pick that he had, hidden up in his mouth or someplace. And he pulled that out, and he started working that lock, and he worked that lock, and he worked that lock. He could not get it. 30 minutes went by, and he realized his promise was going to be broken. And he was so frustrated, you know, sweat's pouring off of him, and he leans against the door, and it just opens. And it realized, he realized they pulled a little trick on him. They never locked the door in the first place. And there, there he was, feverishly. They ended up winning the bet, bet because he couldn't get it done in time. Interesting, isn't it? Sometimes what God does in our life, we're working away. We're, you know, we're trying to figure out God. We're trying in our own power, in our own ways, because we've got a pathway of thinking or, or maybe in our limited knowledge of how God works. We've got to figure it out. And in that case, our intelligence really just becomes our worst enemy. Sometimes just the simplest childlike faith is all we need all we need so if you're experiencing some frustration in your life you know i want to encourage you i want to encourage you that god has something so tremendously good for you he wants to feed us he wants to give us all that we need so that we can be happy people that we can be joyful people that we can be productive and we're not constantly battling this but it comes with a surrender doesn't it it comes with an acknowledging of God and all his, uh, his goodness and his wonder and his knowledge. And it takes that time to do it. It takes us that willingness to submit and surrender. And we need to really do that several times a day, <laughs> you know? Because, man, we just start kicking back into that. Have you noticed that to be true? Man, you think you got it down, and the next thing you know, you're up you know, to your ears and your own plans, your own ideas. Submit your plans to God. Remember that God really, really likes you. And he's got good planned. It says that goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life, right? You know? He wants those things for us. We just got to wait. Amen? Man, let's stand up this morning.